0: Welcome to the Sacred City Life podcast, a podcast about following Jesus in the normal rhythms of life. And this is episode four, and I have a friend with me today on the podcast, Liv Ryan. I see. So welcome, Liv. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Liv is wife to Kevin, right? Uh, Mom to Colton, Annabelle, and Calvin. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, she's an author. This is a lot, so just buckle up. She's an author, a blogger, a public speaker, a yogi, a yoga instructor, okay? And let's say she is also a seven on the Enneagram profile. Isn't that right? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And uh, that means uh, Liv is a lot of fun to be around. Uh, She is enthusiastic. She's curious. She's kind of perennial, perennially optimistic. Um, and so I want to start this off with just finding out some fluffy stuff about you. Okay, <laughs> so like what are you, you're curious, so you like to be into new things all the time. Oh yeah. So what are you into right now?
1: Oh, okay, well, I am always dabbling, yes, in new things. I love running right now. Um, that's been kind of an old standby for me i'll do try something new to crossfit for a few months and then go back to running um yoga making healthy food we're kind of foodies me and kevin so we love love cooking he kind of cooks and i provide the moral support i'm like an encourager it's just (laughs) exciting same thing
0: same thing in my house same thing yeah same I cook a lot. No, I don't. (laughs) I grill. Everyone who knows you is like shaking their head. I grill occasionally and that's about it. All right. um, What are you doing for fun?
1: For fun. I mean, running really is fun for me. I get to listen to podcasts. I get to... (laughs) Whatever. You love CrossFit. I I
0: actually don't love CrossFit. People confuse me and they think I love CrossFit. I actually hate CrossFit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hate, I don't like it. It hurts and it's painful and it makes me sore and it makes me feel like I'm going to die. I just like the results. Okay.
1: So most crosswalk. people hate running at first and then when you get in running shape, your body like craves it.
0: Okay. So let me just say, I just bought a pair of running shoes. Good for you. My, I think it's my first pair of official running shoes ever, ever, ever. And it's, I bought a pair of trail running shoes from Phil at Fleet Feet. Okay. A guy, a member of our church uh, Fleet Feet Sports, <laughs> I think they're on Tremont, or no, they're not, they're on, where are they at? They're on Kimberly. They're on Kimberly, we think. Go buy shoes from Fleet Feet and Phil. Um, I did this, Elmore, Elmore, that's where they're at, Elmore. you're right, Elmore. Um, I bought these things because I like to be in the woods, and I thought, I'm all, you know, half the time I'm mountain biking, but I thought, maybe I should do something a little, a little more chill. And I went running twice last week. My ankles hurt. My feet Cause hurt. Cause you're
1: trail running. You're trail running. And You'll get used to it.
0: The first time was actually enjoyable, and the second time sucked.
1: <laughs> the first time you're all excited because yeah. it's the very first. Time. I feel
0: like I'm in incredible shape. <laughs> second time I'm like, ow! Why does everything hurt? So. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, so running, I get to jam out to like I love musical theater. I love, I love experiences. So we we love to travel. Um, Go to concerts, just.
0: And your husband, he is what? What is his, his official? He's title? a
1: financial planner, and he's the managing director. So he, he trains and coaches um, his younger financial representatives, and then he works with clients and business owners, and just does their holistic, their holistic financial plans. Mm-hmm.
0: And because of his position, you guys get to travel a lot.
1: He has a lot of work trips. Some are incentive trips where we get to go for free. Some are trips that he kind of options into and then if I can figure out kids and childcare, I can jump on board and yeah it's a lot of fun
0: mm-hmm. and I was a benefit I was a beneficiary of one of those trips uh this last winter it's true January right uh Kevin won was that an incentive yeah he won so he won he earned he earned he- yeah he earned it wasn't a win <laughs> he's a three and so he wants to be achievement. he's, he's achieved uh free tickets to the national championship game and uh, you graciously gave up your ticket. Maybe you were sick or something. No, I
1: just don't care about sports. My voice was hurting. I was like, meh, I'm out. Justin's yeah. in. Justin loves it.
0: Yeah, and you called me the day of and said... <laughs> Which I would have been all over as a I, seven. I'd be like, yeah, yeah let's go. And I'm a, an eight, but a three. And so I, I'm like, I was in the middle of sermon prep <laughs> that Monday morning. I have to pre- I have to preach that week. And I get a text from you saying, do you want my ticket to the national championship game? And I was like, what? Are you (laughs) kidding me? I stopped sermon prep and I was like, yes, absolutely. And then I did the math and I realized I couldn't drive to Atlanta. I didn't have enough time. And so I had to fly there. And of course, there were no flights out of the Quad Cities. And the one that there was, I could have got there like halftime for like $450 or something. Then I found a, a flight from Chicago two and a half hours away that left in like, Three and a half hours or something like that. And I had to fly home, I had to run home, shower, grab my stuff, hit the road, barely made it. Long story short, made it to the game. It was one of the best games ever. And your team won. My team won. It was Alabama, Crimson Tide. And it was one of the best experiences of my life.
1: And as a mom of three young ones, I thoroughly enjoyed my night in the hotel where it was quiet and I ordered room service. Well,
0: I thoroughly enjoyed feeling like a seven for a day. (laughs) For like, See, it's great for like, for a day. It was great. I did wake up in a ghetto hotel, with <laughs> with literally cockroaches because that was the only hotel left oh, in the city. Gosh. A cockroach. I moved my towel or I moved my towel, my clean towel, <laughs> and a cockroach ran out. I did not know. That. Yeah, yeah, I had to sleep on top of the the the, the covers. I was too scared, Ugh. but it was still a great experience. So I'm not I'm not saying anything about it. So you like, we got off on that. You you like to run. That's one of love your things. I love running.
1: Like I love singing. I'm kind of dealing with some voice vocal issues right now. So I'm not singing a lot right now, but just listening to great music. I love being outside. So it's getting warmer. I'm excited about that. Um, Just friends, friendship. You know, I'm finding some really beautiful friendships in this season that we're in. And it's been a really good blessing, sweet blessing for us.
0: Cool. Um, so you're a foodie. What are what's what's your favorite restaurant in the Quad Cities?
1: Mm. I am gonna have to go with Central Standard. Actually, I love Street, but I'm not. I don't like steak. I'm kind of more like lean vegetarian. So um, Central Standard has an amazing kale salad with toasted vanilla walnuts, and it's just delicious.
0: <laughs> She's laughing at my face right now. <laughs> Best restaurant in the Quad Cities. She leads with kale salad.
1: <laughs> I also enjoy dessert, so don't okay. let me fool you. I can eat. I can put down a massive chocolate okay. chip cookie. Central
0: Standard has a phenomenal dessert menu. Their their shakes. I got a shake, a Nutella shake, like two weeks ago, and it had a whole Nutella cupcake on the top. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Um, what What's the best dessert in the Quad Cities for you?
1: Mm. <clears throat> I'm not an ice cream girl, actually. So most people would say Whitey's ice cream. I'm gonna have to go with. Um, you've mentioned this restaurant. What is it? Granite City. Mm-hmm. They're big, warm chocolate chip cookie. Mm. It's like got toffee bits in it and mm-hmm. ice cream on top. I hate to go with a chain. I'm not a chain kind yeah. of girl, but.
0: Is yeah, legit. as a foodie, and you as a uh, okay, you say you're okay. a foodie, and then you draw a chain. Let's go scone,
1: blueberry scone with lemon topping from Red Band.
0: Okay, there you Let's go. go We've got Red Band. We're supporting Red Band, local coffee today. I would say I'm not a foodie, um, but I would say the best dessert in the Quad Cities, for, or my favorite right now, is from Viva Downtown. It's the new taco place, okay. and they have a avocado ice cream. And I think they're churros. Yeah, churros with avocado ice that cream. That actually
1: sounds amazing. I was there
0: like four times and I was like, don't you touch me with anything avocado. That's no. And then Dr. Alex, no, Dr. Alex got it and I made fun of it. And then I took a bite of it and I had to repent. <laughs> it is fantastic. That's
1: amazing. It's
0: fantastic. And I'm eating like, since the first of the year, I've been 100% paleo. And so uh, I splurge like maybe once a week and it's always dessert.
1: That's amazing. Not a
0: full meal, just a dessert. I'll crush something like that. So
1: did you just say a hundred percent paleo? hundred <laughs> percent. Minus the one start a week.
0: Yeah. Minus that. That doesn't count. I mean, a hundred percent other than that one yes. thing, which clearly doesn't count. Um, I used to tell everybody I was 80% paleo, a hundred percent of the time. Yes,
1: exactly. So,
0: all right. What's your, I know you guys like travel and Chicago is kind of like yes a, a fun place to go. Two and it's a half like hours. It's like
1: the old standby getaway. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. What's your favorite restaurant in Chi town?
1: Mm. Well, we love the little foodie district on the west, little West End. Um, there's a restaurant called Maple and Ash. Phenomenal! They serve you a complimentary martini when you come in, and they cook over.
0: Virgin. We don't vir- drink. We don't drink around here. <laughs>
1: Virgin martini. Just um, With a big, big wood fire, and you get to, you see them Ooh. cook your food, and the atmosphere is phenomenal. We're like, we're kind of snobby when it comes to. You know, if you're going to drop that kind of money on dinner, you want good service, good atmosphere, and food that just makes your head explode, kind of. So, I would say that one hits all three. Mm. Ashaval is a good standby, too. Burger joint.
0: Never it's heard like, of either one of these places. Stop. I haven't. I haven't.
1: Ashaval. Everyone knows about Ashaval.
0: I'm not part of everyone. Oh, my
1: gosh. Okay. Put it on the bucket list.
0: All right. It's on the bucket list. Um, so, I, I joked earlier that you are a yogi. I don't really know what that means. I just thought it was a <laughs> yoga instructor. Um, but you you teach what you, what you call holy yoga.
1: Yep.
0: So um, what is that?
1: Yeah, I'm I love talking about this. So, a yogi by the way is anyone who does practice yoga regularly. Okay, then so, I'm a yogi. You're did you yogi. know that? Yeah, I did know that.
0: How did you know this?
1: Amanda told me. My
0: wife has told on me, eh?
1: I'm so impressed. <laughs> tell tell the world.
0: Okay. So, I am going to be 39 and, uh, I've wrestled most of my life and I've done CrossFit now for 10 years and I'm, I got into mountain biking about three years ago and, um, everything I do, I do hard mm-hmm. and uh, like hundred mm-hmm. percent and I hate stretching, hate it. It hurts. I'm, I've never been able to touch my toes ever in my life. I like, I'm a foot away. It's terrible. Uh, I've always been really strong for my size and I just stay this, here. I don't, I don't stretch. And, um, and it's honestly, it's, it's just causing problems. Mm-hmm. Um, my hip flexors are always super tight. Mm-hmm. My back's super tight. Mm-hmm. Um, my arms fall asleep when I'm sleeping at night because my shoulders are so mm-hmm. tight. Um, and I'm getting older. And so I thought, okay, I need, and I need to chill out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I need to do something that's not competitive. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there's no timed yoga. If there's timed yoga, then I'll probably find it and it'll, it'll be ruined for me. Mm, so I, I just said, I talked to my wife and she was enjoying doing it occasionally and I said, all right, what if we started, uh, instead of checking our phones before bed, you know, what if we did this yoga thing before bed? So we started 30, it, we just looked it up on YouTube and it was like 30 days of yoga and yeah. 30 minutes a night. And uh, my you know, I, I look like the tin man trying to do yoga and I'm very stiff. And yeah, you've that,
1: called yourself a Lego a Lego man before. Yeah,
0: yeah that's right. I what don't
1: I <laughs> bend. I don't.
0: Uh, and so but it's it helps us calm down, chill out. Um
1: And it feels good. Are it, you it, starting I, to like it?
0: Yeah, it feels good. I mean I, I still hate like there's positions I should be able to go in naturally that I can't. And well, so no, like I disagree.
1: Know? I think everybody is, is different. So yeah, so holy yoga was such a huge grace in my life that God gifted to me in a season that we'll probably talk about today. Um, In a really hard season, I was feeling kind of directionless and huge question mark for what the future looked like. And um, I knew that I really enjoyed fitness and Pilates. And um, I kind of stumbled into yoga and into just teaching random pop-up classes here and there because I just loved it. And I love, I've mentioned I love music and I love amazing worship music. It just spurs my heart for the Lord. It just stirs, stirs up my affections for him. And so just combining stretching with worship music and then bringing in an element of scripture and meditation, it just appealed to me so much. And I had experienced a class back at Wheaton College where I went to college, um, There was a class in their little student rec center and this woman taught essentially holy yoga. You know, we're stretching, she's sharing scriptures, she's saying, you know, you are fearfully and wonderfully made as we're moving. And God did a huge work in my heart back then, um healing me from negative body image and I was in a really bad place with that. Just the way I saw myself, I did not see myself the way God saw me and as a, that my body was a gift and a good thing. I saw it the total opposite way. And so when this kind of came back up in my life a few years ago, it was eight years ago, I, I jumped in and I became an instructor. And um, I love facilitating a worship environment where people can quiet themselves before the Lord and actually use their physical bodies to worship. I think sometimes we mm. steer away from that in the Western world. We're afraid of that. We're We're just uncomfortable with it. It's different, it's new, but I mean, all over the Bible, and I've written blogs about this, you know, can Christians practice yoga? What does that look like? Is it syncretism? And the answer is no, God redeems all things to himself. And so, I mean, the Bible talks over and over about lifting our hands in worship and in him we live and move and have our being and breathing, I mean, that is all over scripture. And I, like you, tend to just run a million miles an hour. I love to just go, 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 do, do, do. And it is the one place, like on my mat is the one place where I feel like I can listen to the Lord Mm. well and breathe. I mean, take a deep breath right now. Like in through your nose, hold it at the top. Slow exhale. It changes your demeanor. It brings you to a spacious place. And I, it's just been a grace of God in my life. So I love to share it.
0: So how, do you have a class now? Like these days, or are you teaching it somewhere or sometime? What's I'm going on? I'm teaching
1: at the YMCA right now. They let me teach modified holy yoga, so I can't pray. Modified holy. I can't <laughs> pray. Don't want to offend anybody, but um, it's.
0: But you still use scripture. I really? use
1: worship music. I will share a scripture at the beginning. In full on holy yoga, I weave that scripture throughout class. We talk about it. We kind of explicate it a little bit, and I don't do that there, and it. It squelches my spirit a little bit. So I do pop-ups here and there randomly. If anybody's got a basement, I'm all about, you know, getting some friends together. And I have people who love it. It's just in this season of life, it's tough to do something on nights and weekends. Mm -hmm. You know, family time is just so precious. And it just feels like there's not enough of it. So never. Yeah.
0: That's cool. I've never thought, I haven't thought about that. Um, I've been reading a lot and studying a lot about our bodies and being embodied creatures, that um, that our bodies truly matter to God, yeah. and it's not just the idea of kind of the dualistic idea that like you are your soul and your body is just this suit that you put on yeah. for a little while, a shell, yeah, a shell. But we're actually embodied creatures, and you can't really. The only time we're ever going to be separate from our body is when you know death to when Christ comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Christ comes back, we get a new, but we're, mm-hmm. we we get our body back, right? Restored and renewed. And so, worship should be an embodied experience. And for me, talking Enneagram language, I'm an eight, and so that means I kind of live a lot of my life from my gut, from a bodied. Like I, I feel the right mm-hmm. answer. I feel what I need to say. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to teach people. This is why I said that. This is why I go there. Mm-hmm. I just feel it. Yeah. And my sport was wrestling. My main sport was wrestling. And that's all embodied. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I enjoy my body and I enjoy uh worshiping God on my body. And when I pray, I have typically I smoke a cigar and I go for a walk. Yeah. Same type of thing. Yeah. I'm doing something, but it's it's like a calming presence. Yeah. It's a calming time for me. And i have just started experiencing that a little bit with, with yoga. I don't know if I'll stick with it. I need to. Yeah. I definitely need to. Um, or I'm going to be one of those old guys that just, like, I lose, Hunch like... Back. Yeah, I lose, like, four inches, you know, each decade or something. It's
1: it's incredible. The health benefits for posture, it improves your confidence. I just... There are so... It's so multifaceted. From a spiritual standpoint, though, there's, there's nothing that is better facilitated in meditating on God's Word for me. Mm-hmm. And I think we really struggle with that in the Western world where the more you accomplish the better. Mm -hmm. And so I just would encourage people to try, you know, try something new if you haven't.
0: Yeah. So this is, might be along the same lines. How do you now as, um, seven who likes, you know, chase new things and Mm -hmm. be going all the time and a mom of three, right? So you're, you're, you're busy and you've got all these other things that you're doing. How do you best enjoy Jesus?
1: Um, I'm going to have to go back to the, the music thing. I think I'm a feeler. Um, even though sevens in the thinking triad, I have a lot, I have a lot of high scores in the, in the feeling triad for the Enneagram too. And I just, it's so moving to me. So in hard seasons that I've been through, and I'm, I would say I'm in a, a difficult season of sorts right now, worship music stirs up those emotions and allows me to feel things and then open my hands and, and give them to the Lord. So, and I, I just think affirming those truths, you know, letting the truths that are in worship music wash over me. It just, I don't know. It just speaks to my soul. It's like water on, you know, a Mm -hmm. thirsty, thirsty soul. And then, I mean, being outside fresh air, that's why I love running. It's just that freedom. It just, Makes me think, wow, I'm so thankful that God gave us legs and that He gave us this gorgeous sky and that He gave us fresh air and lungs that just breathe it in automatically. Like, mm-hmm. that is miraculous. Yeah. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah, I'm usually thinking, don't die <laughs> when I'm running and get home and so you can smoke a cigar. <laughs> That's an easy thing. That might be why I'm not good at running. I don't know. Um <clears throat> well it sounds like the way that you enjoy Jesus. You know, the worship music and the, the holy yoga and yeah. the running and the meditating. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, a way to read the Bible that is not very helpful. A way that you, we sit down and even we could read it. I mean, this might be helpful overall. We read a big chunk of scripture. You're not going to get much out of reading a big chunk of scripture. You're probably not going to remember it, maybe even understand what you read. There, now, there's some time for that. You know, you're wanting to understand what a whole book is about, you know, whatever you want to get through the whole bible i get it but there's something about meditating which is think of meditating not as emptying your mind mm-hmm. in the eastern sense right right but as putting something in your mind and then dwelling on and it chewing so, on it yeah like a dog chews on a bone yeah. just that that wallowing type of uh, and, and a worship worship songs typically do that yeah. they have maybe one maybe it's one scripture the yeah. guy was writing or the gal was writing on and you're singing one major truth about God or truth about yourself or whatever. And you're just kind of chewing on that, meditating on that, trying to get that past your cognitive, uh, you know, defenses in a sense, and let it settle down into your heart where you actually believe like, yes, this is true about me. I am loved by God and I am forgiven. And, um, my sins have been nailed to the cross, whatever it is. And I think, what you're saying about holy yoga is kind of the same thing yeah. meditating on one verse um and and asking the lord i mean i was doing that today i'm preaching this week and of course i probably won't be able to about um ephesians out of ephesians 4 where paul asks or paul tells them to be renewed and it's the craziest most cryptic sentence or piece of a sentence be renewed and and the tense there is constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Mm-hmm. In the sp- and I'm like, the spirit of my mind? Right. I'm like, are what? we talking about the mind or the spirit? Yeah, like, whoa. <laughs> and, he, and he'd be like, yes. Uh, and he's more like your imagination. Like, your imagination needs to be captured by something else. I love that. And that's Christ. Yeah. That's the person of Christ. Um, and my imagination gets captured by my to do list. And my kids and my my wife and my projects and mm-hmm. my books and even just my own idolatries of um, it's never enough. I'm yeah. never good enough. I'm, I'm never performing well enough. The church is never doing well enough. Mm. Um, and those thoughts capture my imagination instead of Christ and what Christ has done for us on, on the cross. So I think that's helpful. I think too yeah, many of us. I have
1: a, I have a little tip on meditating. So mm-hmm. if somebody's wanting to try it, you can't start with 10 minutes. Like your body, it, it's just not going to go well. But even just taking one or two minutes, setting a phone timer, closing your eyes, and thinking, like you're saying, taking a little nugget of scripture. Um, like Psalm 56. Psalm 56 is one of my favorites. And there's a, a piece in it where it says, God is for me. and And some people feel like, you know, when they're going through a hard time or they feel distant from God. Yeah, God doesn't care about me. He's mm-hmm. busy dealing with X, Y, Z, or he, you know. I don't even know if he's real, but just taking that and breathing in, saying like, "God is for me," and then exhale, "I will not be afraid" or something. Taking pieces of scripture and and bringing them in and just in and out, thinking of those over and over, and that helps focus your thoughts and and calm you, and so
0: yeah, that's great. Yeah. um, I think what what people fail to realize is you can't meditate by just like trying to meditate or trying to empty your mind of thoughts. Right. Your mind will grab hold of something. Yep. If you give it one moment of space, because we're so um, deprived of space, if you give your brain one minute of silence, it will latch hold of that and it'll tell you everything in your house that needs to be cleaned, mm-hmm. everything in the garage that needs to be organized, all the stuff, you, the books you need to read, yep. all the stuff. And so what you have to do and this is what I this is a trick I do. Well with your my kids. three
1: mind tells you that. But oh, other yeah, yeah, pe- yeah. I mean it's it can be really stressful and unsettling for you know it's going to be different things for different people but sure. but it it's this restlessness cuz we're used to going to our phones and going to social media and filling all the space.
0: Yeah.
1: And I don't think we know what space feels like. No. And yeah, that's why I think finding a tangible tool like running or walking or Breathing or yoga or whatever it might be. Mm. I just think we have to carve out time in our schedule for those things that will facilitate space. Yeah, And that's how we're going to find intimacy with the Lord. You don't find intimacy when you're you know scrambling and doing all the things.
0: No, you can't.
1: That's not intimacy.
0: And uh, one of the things I've learned with my kids, so I've got four, and pretty often one of them will call me upstairs, Dad, I had a bad dream. I'm afraid, you know. And what, what was your dream about? And, you know, something they probably saw that day. Some monster, Javin told them a story, something. <laughs> well, I, I remember with Javin just trying to be like, dude, I'm here. I'm protecting you. Mm-hmm. God's protecting you. Mm-hmm. Like we'd go over some scripture and like try to, and it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And then one time at like the sixth time I got called up, I said to my daughter, okay, listen, I'm sorry. Whatever you do, don't think about a purple elephant wearing a pink tutu in high-heeled shoes. And then she just kind of like looked at me and her expression changed and then like she started giggling and I'm like, don't, don't think about it. And obviously as soon as you say something like that, their imagination starts thinking about it and the imagination of something new pushes out the scary thing. And the same thing goes with meditation. Yeah. You meditate on a scripture, like you said, or you can go to like the Gospels and Mm -hmm. and one little encounter that Jesus had with a person, one little pericope of Jesus. Meditate on that like you're there, like you're there watching it like so much. So like you're
1: five times and then close your eyes and just watch it play out.
0: Exactly. Like smell it, feel it, hear it. How does it make you feel? Meditate on Jesus in that specific environment you know and now listen if your imagination starts conjuring up crazy things that's not equal to scripture right (laughs) but that can help you experience a more deeper personal relationship with jesus yeah so that's cool i wasn't even planning to get any of that um yeah you want to say anything else about that i don't think so cool um well as we have been learning more and more about the enneagram, what was your experience at the conference? By the way, what did you think? Anyway,
1: yeah, it was incredible. Um, I have not; I had not taken the enneagram. I'd heard about it because it's been around, I guess, for a long time. But I found it to be really accurate. Um, people who are sevens and excite, like excited, intense people, typically get higher scores in general. So I had super high scores on um, two three, four, and eight, and so I just, I'm an intense person, um, and I know that my sweet husband deals with me and keeps me in line, but um, yeah, I just found it really insightful, and I think the negative qualities are there too. I mean, you read the good things about, some good things about me, but I, I see myself inclined to some of the negative aspects as well, especially when, you know, the Enneagram talks about when you're under stress, What's what's your response then? Yeah. And I I just think it's really cool. I'm I enjoy thinking about these things, studying these things. I wish I had more time to read about these things, but season of life, I try to squeeze it in and I can't. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, some of your positives, you're very enthusiastic, right? You're usually very optimistic, yeah. right? Curious, you like to try new things. Um but one of those negatives on on the other side is that Sevens are usually terrified of painful emotions or um, painful experiences, right? Um, And one of the tendencies is to use your curiousness about life to uh, distract yourself, right, from the pain. So. Let's let's not really talk about the pain. Let's not really feel the pain. Let's throw some glitter on the pain, right? Let's 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 go on a trip. Let's go on a trip. <laughs> you know, Mexico solves many things, right? Um,
1: Until you come home, and then the pain is still there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's this bent towards kind of escapism, and I think yes, seven's not the only one that does it. Yeah. I think all the personalities yeah. find their own way to to escape. We just want to deny you know, when we're not living out of the true self that Christ has given us, we want to deny the painful stuff and just maybe, we can kind of can try to just be optimistic about it. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's going to get better. It's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Just keep plowing ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, But God has brought you down a path that you really can't gloss over the pain. Um, It's been... uh, a path full of a lot of loss mm-hmm. and grief. Mm-hmm. And I imagine this has been, I mean, this would, this is difficult for anyone who is, would go through what, mm-hmm. what you've been through. But as I'm thinking more and more about your personality and who, who God's made you to be mm-hmm. as the seven, it would, it would seem to me to be literally hell on earth. Like the worst possible thing. like, going through something so painful and there's no way you can kind of, you can't run from it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not just one time thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. It keeps coming back, keeps coming back. Um, could you share with us this afternoon, just a little bit of your story and let, I know there's others uh, who are listening who have experienced loss. Mm-hmm. And so um, could you speak to that? For yeah. a little
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I would say that being excited and enthusiastic and optimistic was my default all the way until I turned 18 and life was just hunky-dory and great. And I just thought, you know, I'm raised in a Christian home. I'm, I know how to map out a great life and I'm going to do it. I'm doing it right now. Um, and then my parents got divorced and that was a great loss for me, um, as it always is. And that's extremely painful. And, and then, um, you know, fast forward a little bit. God brought me through that at that time. He provided in just incredible ways and that yoga class and healing me from body image issues. And then got married at the ripe age of 21. You did our wedding. I was there. (laughs) Um, and that this was a part of our plan, right? Get married young. I saw being coming a mom as the quintessential life experience. You know, just it's everything I've ever wanted. I'm on my stair-step path to becoming a mom. And when that happens, everything will be perfect. And so I look back now and I see how horribly I I idolized parenthood and and how, you know, yeah, I just was very distracted by what I thought was the best plan for my life. And so a couple of years after we were married at 23, we started trying for for kids and we got pregnant right away, which was right along line with my plan. We wanted to have a lot of kids, five or six kids. I'm gonna be such a good mom. It's gonna be so easy. Oh my gosh. So, um, So we were excited and I actually quit my full-time job. I was working in the business world and I just was sick. I was throwing up and I just thought, okay, I'm just gonna write books now. So I quit my job. And I'll be a stay-at-home mom and write books, and it'll be great. And we went in for our 11-week check where they would be able to hear the heartbeat. They couldn't find baby's heartbeat, um, sent us for an ultrasound. So we find out in the ultrasound room that our first baby is already in heaven and gone and not going to be joining our family on the side of eternity. And to say I was crushed is, you know... An understatement, I guess. I was felt like my world came crashing down a little bit and I was speechless and just stunned. And I had never experienced that level of loss before. And yeah, so kind of entered into this season of of deep grief and loss because we went on to, we didn't get pregnant for a long time. Well, it took eight months, which is not a long time in the infertility world, but. To someone who's already lost a child and who is eager to become a mom, that felt like a long time. And then we and got young to, and
0: healthy. Young
1: right. and healthy, yep. No no signs anything were wrong. We didn't do any further testing at that point. They're like, miscarriage is common. It happens to one in four women who are pregnant. Um, I just thought, wow, one in four? Okay, well, that means the next time it'll be fine. Kind of, I saw that optimism coming through. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling pain. This is really hard. But, you know, God has a plan and he's not going to waste this.
0: There's that. Exactly. So (laughs) I hate to, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but that optimism can be like, okay, well, I want to be an author and this is really bad, but you know what? God will use it for good and I'll be, you know, kind of like the the youth pastor. The youth message used used to be like, everything bad you're going through, this is going to be your testimony, right? He's going to take your test and turn it into a testimony. And this is, I remember a guy telling me that one time, worst thing I went through, he's like, one day you'll write a book about it. And I'm like, okay. Well, the first, you know, so you have this miscarriage, and yeah. you can kind of talk yourself, Romans eight twenty eight yourself mm-hmm. out of, mm-hmm. all right, it's really tough, a lot of people go through it, uh, but it, I'm going to come out the other side, and I'm going to learn something about yeah. about Jesus through it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we got pregnant again. <clears throat> we had another miscarriage, and that time it was a little bit little bit more shocking, like, well, that wasn't supposed to happen a second time, you know. And but again, we just we weren't we never did feel like we should stop trying. And I think that's common with people facing infertility or loss. I mean, you have this deep seated hope that maybe you will be able to have a child. So um we had our we got pregnant a third time and we said, if we miscarry a third time, um we're going to Europe. (laughs) (laughs) We said that. We're like, we're taking a trip together. We're just going to start like enjoying life um, and not holding our breath for this this thing to happen.
0: Was that an escape or was that?
1: You know, I think partly, partly an escape for sure. We were not um, digging in deep, to what God was wanting to do in us at that time. I think we were trying, but I think it's very difficult when you're in those dark seasons. Sure. But we also said after that trip, we want to start the adoption process if we have a third miscarriage. Because if you have a third miscarriage, it puts you in 1%. Um, I'm sorry, 1% of 1%. So you're in the 0.01% of people who have three or more miscarriages in a row mm. and you may never, you may never have a child. The chances are still in your favor to keep trying, but it just means, yeah, something actually might be wrong now. Mm. And so at that point, we, we did lose our third child, and I think we were grieving the best way we knew how at age 25, you know? Um, we had found a church community, and we were in a small group, and they were loving us well, and that was, that was God's grace in our lives. Um, we did not feel alone, but I didn't feel like I, I knew someone who went through this and could speak hope into my life and, and joy. And I don't know, just speak life over me. Not in that I would eventually have children, but in that there is hope. God can sustain you. God is using this. Um, so God started planting seeds in my heart at that time to potentially, to shift my focus from writing a book on body image, which is what I thought my first project would be, to okay, I think there needs to be a hope, a hope filled, you know, companion. But I was, I was in a dark place, you know, I was not optimistic at this point, and so we actually started the adoption process. And
0: one second, so you yeah. you weren't optimistic, were you pessimistic about life or just pessimistic about your your potential to have children
1: actually both it really it was kind of like a dark cloud had come over me and I was questioning all sorts of things about God that I had never questioned before you know are you good how how could you be good when babies die and why why me and so I'm going to scripture and I'm seeing oh yeah like a lot of these people have <laughs> been through things too and Oh, Jesus suffered? Oh, okay. You know, so starting starting to understand the gospel a little bit more, like we are in this broken world. We are not promised anything. We actually don't deserve anything. I wouldn't say I understood all these things, but I started grappling mm-hmm. with these questions. And so we started the adoption process. A birth mom chose our profile um, from the agency pretty quickly, within a couple months. And we were going to do an open adoption. We met with her. It was really exciting. We made a nursery. We had a baby shower planned. The baby shower was one week before she was due. And it's on a Saturday. And on Friday morning, we got a phone call from the social worker saying, you know, the phone call rings. I'm like, or the phone rings. I'm like, the baby's here. You know, I pick up the phone. I can see who it is. And it's the social worker saying, I'm really sorry. But the birth mom chose to let the birth dad's parents adopt the baby. And (sighs) You know, rug pulled out from under me. Again, from from us. You know, we're at this point very much grown together through this trial, Kevin and, and me. Um or I. Kevin and I. English English, English major. major. <laughs> um so yeah. But so this
0: is three
1: three miscarriages, failed adoption.
0: In about three year time?
1: Four? Yeah. Um, probably about two years at this point. Oh, okay. And at that point, I wrote a blog about the one little phone call that can change everything, and um, a very special young lady saw that blog and reached out to me. I'm going to get emotional to see if we could get together. Um, and I didn't think much of it, but we got together, and she said, well, actually, I'm 20 weeks pregnant with um, this baby, and I've been feeling like I need to ask you and Kevin to adopt this baby. And do you want to? And, I, you know, I just... I was like, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And so. You didn't have to
0: call Kevin and ask permission on that one?
1: I totally (laughs) just said yes. I got a kid. (laughs) (laughs) So she invited me to the ultrasound where we found Mm -hmm. out it was a boy. And so, you know, the months progressed and we were at the hospital. I got to hold her hand as she pushed our, our son into the world. So our first son carries part of her name and he's just a beautiful. Reminder of God's faithfulness. And we have an awesome relationship with the birth mom. And it's just, it was God. It was, Mm -hmm. He he wanted us to have Colton as our firstborn son on this earth. And and loss persisted. So we had our fourth miscarriage while she was in the second half of her pregnancy. Um, We lost our fifth baby. Um, As you can see, we get pregnant and we just couldn't sustain the pregnancy. So I miscarried our fifth baby right around the time Colton was born. But the joy of this new was, child, wasn't it, the, it was a day. day. It, it was, was the day. day. Yeah. Yeah. I started bleeding at the hospital the day Colton was born. Yeah. And I knew it was coming. Like I had seen trends in my pregnancies. And so at that point I had become kind of numb to the pain of my losses. I was just going through them and I didn't know what to feel about them. I just trusted that God had a plan and I was holding part of that plan, right? I'm holding Colton, I'm caring for Colton and just pouring myself into, into that, you know, like he'd call me to be a mom, not in the way I thought he would. And yeah, so we had our sixth and final miscarriage after a few months after that. And just, we had gone and seen a specialist. They said, we can't find anything wrong. It's unexplained and you should keep trying, essentially. And I felt like I was fine with that to continue trying and we would consider adoption again if, if it didn't pan out. But we got pregnant and ended up carrying a baby to full term, um, Annabelle. So we had this second little miracle baby acupuncture I think played a pretty significant role some and you know an alternative medicine woman had told me that my blood quality didn't look good they look at your tongue in acupuncture and they see the health of your blood they're like we need to get you on a blood-rich diet so I'm eating beets and strawberries and red meat and bone broth and all this stuff that sounds gross when you're pregnant um yeah acupuncture once a week and ended up delivering a healthy baby girl and we didn't know how long it would take because it had taken three years the first time. So a year later, we're like, uh, I think we want another child. Let's start that process, knowing that there might be, you know loss, and we were able to to have another baby quickly. So we had three babies in three and a half years. and um, yeah, it became a new trial, you know it, life got really, really crazy. And <clears throat> that idol of motherhood that I had created um, failed me because I realized how I was not going to be satisfied in that. Um, but yeah, that's that's the story of our loss. So,
0: so thank you for sharing that. Um, six total miscarriages, right? What kept you... Uh, What kept you trying?
1: Honestly, I don't know. It probably is that deep-seated optimism um, that maybe, you know, maybe we were in the 66% that would eventually have a baby Um, biologically. Not that that's better, but I just, I wanted that experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm a fighter, a little bit of a fighter. So I think I was just wanted to keep plotting forward but we we had a lot of conversations about how maybe god wants to build our family through adoption and we're okay with that like that could be really beautiful we want, we had thought about international adoption but we were too young most countries you have to be 30 or married 5 years or 10 years or um so but i think so i want to share i had shared a little bit about how god planted seeds in my heart to maybe write a book for people going through this because i felt I felt really alone. I mentioned I had good community and I did. Um, and that was priceless to me and that got me through. But I just felt like all the books I could find on it were very like, wah, wah, like just very sad. And I would read them and I would just, I was just depressed reading them. And I, I don't know, I just felt like I, God has hope for people who are hurting. And it's the hope isn't that the answer to their prayer will absolutely be a yes the hope is that he is enough and the hope is that he can heal you and sanctify you, you know, make you more like Christ. And, um, there's hope in that. And so I ended up writing a book called bearing hope, um, navigating the desert of waiting for a child. There's so much desert imagery in the Bible. And I just feel, and it's, it's not at all about ultimately having children and, It's just about how to grieve and mourn and how to trust God in the weight, which there's weights about all kinds of things in this world, not just for babies, but yeah. I don't know what the question was. I lost my train of thought. That's all right.
0: No, you did great. So, experiencing loss like this um, statistically can wreak havoc on a marriage. Um, You know, voices in our heads and everything else says it's your fault we think maybe it's his fault maybe it's her fault right we we blame ourselves um and obviously any if you're feeling guilty or ashamed or afraid you don't you know you you lose intimacy right with, with your with your spouse how did you and kevin um stay optimistic enough you know to keep plodding through this this desert
1: um I think it's probably a few different things. I think we're both, like I mentioned before, we're both pretty determined people. But this type of loss or trial, I think, like you said, has the ability to kind of derail you, even if that's the way you are wired. Um, I always share when I'm speaking about times when I felt like my faith was like on zero. Like the tank, gas tank of faith, empty, totally empty. And I would just be like, at my end of my rope, just like a little arrow prayer, like, God, you're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to give me something, you know, like give me faith. And I feel like time after time, whether that was Kevin being like, get up, we're going to church today, or, you know, a song coming on the radio that just encouraged me in a way that I had not, that I just needed so deeply, or a phone call or a letter in the mail, or an interaction with someone where they're speaking truth I just feel like God lifted us up. Like we're down. It's like, nope, he's the lifter of your head. He's going to lift you up. He's going to carry you through this. And yeah, I just imagine kind of like, I I think it's God's grace really that, that our marriage did grow stronger through that because it can, it really can drive a wedge between people. But we were pretty intentional about praying together every night. And I picture us both kind of like injured athletes on like, a football field or whatever on a field. And people come and they, you know, they wrap their arms around you and they, they carry you. Mm-hmm. Like you can't walk by yourself. Yeah. So I think it was the community of faith and just the Lord.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of been a theme in the last few podcasts, even the necessity of community around you. And I, even in your analogy there, I think, too We think faith is a full tank. Like when I have a full tank, I'm I'm a I'm a good Christian. And so many times, I think it's when we're actually have an empty tank that we actually become we Christians, have to really. <laughs> because we're we're no longer relying on our own strength yeah. or our own optimism, yeah. our own, you know, personality. Right. right? We we. I don't want to in our to
1: weakness, that's where He can be strong. When we're strong, we think we're strong, and we get prideful, and we think that it's us, and we lose sight of what God is doing. I, yeah, I mean, the intimacy that we experience with God in those years is, I would say, unparalleled. But what we're going through now is is hard to just family member with mental illness, and just again in that season of waiting and trusting and and hoping and praying and being like. Yeah, Lord, I need I need you. I need you to carry me.
0: Yeah. You alluded to it before. Um, so, we, your younger self, you idolized having children, which basically that means um, I'll be whole when I'm a mom. Yeah. Right. I'll be happy when I'm a mom. Yeah. And you could say I'll if you take the sentence and say I'll be whole when. Whatever you fill the blank in, that's your idol. That's what you're worshiping. Yeah. Um, And for you, it was being a mom, uh, and 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 you experienced loss after loss after loss. Mm -hmm. And then, through this, on the other side of of this desert, you get this oasis, Mm -hmm. and you get Colton, and then you get your your (laughs) your two um, natural babes, and uh, and then you get what you want. You get your identity. You get. Your idol, you get your thing, and it's and it, and I hate I don't say that I don't want to say this as anything negative to your children at all, but and then your idol like spoils in front of you, yeah, right? like it. You take a bite of it and it, you realize this was not what I wanted.
1: Yeah, it's like the idol in the Old Testament where like they melt it down, they make them drink it. You yeah. know, it's like this is bitter. This is making me sick. You know, this yeah. is not. What we were made for. So
0: you you get your kids and this is I mean, I can't even imagine or yes I can imagine, but um, how anxiously you longed for children and then you get them and then you realize they're actually driving me crazy as much as they're you know, filling my hearts with love and and giving me an identity. Um, you know. So what was that like to realize that?
1: I mean, I think that's been an ongoing Just, it's an ongoing struggle because it's not like every day I'm like, ah, get away from me. You know, there are times that are sweet and then there are times where I'm like, okay, this is a new trial. This (laughs) is like, my eyes are open to how any season of life you can face difficulty and just be human, you know, like I'm sinful and I'm seeing my sin tendencies pop up and this in this new challenge to trust God, to trust God in how to parent, to trust God in, you know, taking care of my children when I feel weak or whatever it is. So
0: So if you could go back and talk to your 23-year-old self, 24-year-old self, how what would you say? I mean, you know, you're full of optimism, right? You guys, you know, good-looking couple. You've got the world, at, you know, right in front of you. And you know you're gonna have a child, what would you say now to yourself? We could, that's so
1: hard. I don't, I don't, I don't like doing that. (laughs) I don't like doing that. I mean, I think I would say, like, it's gonna be okay. God's gonna take care of you. Trust Him. You know, all the truths that I needed to hear at the time, like, humble yourself, enjoy your husband. Wait well, like wait well, and I, I talk about that in the book, and it's probably my seven coming through, like fun things to do while you wait, like pour into the children around you, and it's not.
0: It's so. so let me just to to that. diminish the pain. So that's uh, you know, that was one of the things that I found strange, weird, about your book. Um, and not in a negative way in that exactly what you're describing. You wanted to do, you did it in your book and me as a three and as you know, an eight and a three and a guy who's got a high one, negative resourceful one that, um, when things suck, like I want them to suck. Like that's how weird Mm -hmm. I am. Like I remember as a kid when practice was terribly hard, this is like my chance to shine. I'm gonna watch everybody quit and I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. And there's something about my jacked up personality that when it's hard, I want it to be hard. And so when I read a book about loss, mm-hmm. I want it to hurt. I, I want it to hurt, you know?
1: Well, I think there is that in there too. Cause I do talk about the importance of validating the hurt. And that I mean, that is so invaluable when when you're hurting, first of all, you need you need to give yourself Space and grace to feel those feelings and to process them. I think you have to go there to process them in a healthy way, whether that's through counseling or journaling or crying. But I think it's important for people to set a timer, like lament and weep and feel mm-hmm. the deep feels and process that and read about that and just be in it. And then you, like, you clean yourself up and you stand up. And you walk out and you live, you live your life. You live your life because God has put gifts there for you too, even in the desert. It's not like going to be three years of, or 10 years. I know people, you know, people have waited 10 years for whatever or forever, right? The rest mm-hmm. of your life. Do you want to live in that lamenting place for the rest of your life when you don't know if you'll have children, when you don't know if the answer is yes, I think no. And so some of the suggestions I give are just silly and different, but I think sometimes we need someone else to look us in the eyes and be like, hey, it's okay to go skydiving or it's okay to go have fun at the, you know, with your friends at XYZ. You don't have to sit at home and cry until you get a baby because the baby isn't the ultimate gift. The ultimate gift is enjoying your creator and glorifying him. Like that is where the satisfaction will come from. So I think, I mean...
0: That's I think that's powerful. I would I have,
1: preach to my 23-year-old self.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's really powerful. I think um there's two sides to that coin. It sounds like you have to experience it. This the 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 grief, you have to embrace it. Yeah. You have to get in it and figure it out in a sense and yeah. really be there and process it and own it uh, as part of your story. But then you can't you can't stay there. Yeah. There's got to be, and that seems so foreign to me, uh, like, go have fun. Uh, no, I just lost a child, mm. you know? Uh, but there, there's something in your book that you, you just keep coming back to this um, hopeful, faithful optimism, mm-hmm. right? Um, not optimistic about having a child, necessarily, but optimistic that your life isn't over and God is still good, yes. and He's going to bring uh, rivers in the desert. Yeah, right. He's yeah. He's going to um, eventually make all the deserts yeah. bloom.
1: Yeah, that those scriptures in Isaiah just about streams in the wasteland, and they get me emotional really quick because I just feel like I experienced that. Not in the way of oh, we finally got Colton. There's a stream in the desert. No, it's like we experienced biblical community for the first time that is a stream in the desert Mm. and we experienced sweetness and richness and intimacy in our marriage that we would not have found had we had a crying child right there at 23 you know and I I don't know I just yeah I think I think our trials are really rich and they make us who we are and I in a way I welcome them because I'm like okay God do your work like do your work I can't you can't work on me when I'm an arrogant 23-year-old thinking I've got it all figured out. Like that is not how he wanted to use me. He wanted to use me broken. And so in a weird masochistic way maybe I welcome I welcome that even though it hurts.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's masochistic. I think that's the life of Christ in you, you know, that we are crucified with him and we take up our cross and follow him and so our life takes a cruciform shape yeah. where suffering is for our good. Um, and we, and in faith, we know that and we proclaim that. But when the dark cloud comes, you know, there is no, there is no answer sometimes. There
1: yeah.
0: is no, Yeah, I, I was reading a, I'm reading a book by Fleming Rutledge right now on the crucifixion. And she talks, she, she really goes into the, the the nature of evil and the brokenness of our world. And she says, and I've said this before, she's like any pastor who says, you know, or any person that says, oh, don't worry, you know, there's a reason in everything and kind of quotes Romans eight twenty-eight like at an improper time. Mm-hmm. They need to be slapped across yeah. the face, basically. He, she says there's only two um, responses to real evil and real loss. And that is one, suffering with someone in silence. Yes. And two, hating evil. Yes. Like, that's it. Yes. Like, I hate death. Mm-hmm. I hate loss. Mm-hmm. And I'm here with you. Yeah. Not, we're going to work Preach. this out. We're going to yeah. do that. You know, God's yeah. got something coming yeah. and, and all this stuff. So would you add anything to that? Like if someone is suffering miscarriage yeah. or the loss of a child, yeah. um, what do people, what do bystanders, what are their community, what's, yeah. what do they do?
1: Yeah, it, it's what you just said. I mean, show up. So I think physically being there. Physically being there, being okay with silence, being okay with their emotions, being okay in the mess with them and being willing to enter into the mess and not try to fix it. So I think that physical presence is huge. Making meals, bringing, you know, encouragement, bringing flowers, just acknowledging the loss is so huge. And I I think it goes for even people who are grieving things that are going on in their life that are hard. Like acknowledge that. Mm. And and don't make them move through that and try to fix the problem cuz the problem isn't going to get fixed you know they need they need a grief they're in a season of grief so i think showing up and i say affirm them with the truths of scripture i think that's okay not in a flippant way not in like a preachy like it's going to be okay god's going to work this together for good but if if you have that deep relationship where if that person already knows the lord I think you know re- if you read a card written in the handwriting of someone who loves you and you see that scripture I think it can can speak to you in a way that human words can't like it is the inspired word of God mm. so I think don't shy away from using scripture but be present yeah be willing to go there it's the main thing
0: um there so on a Sunday morning let's say there are dozens of people coming into the gathering hurting. Yeah. Uh, from a myriad of different issues. Yeah. Um, some churches you come into and you hear all the worship leaders say some things like, forget about your problems and just leave it all outside the door yeah. and let's just focus on this. And um, And sometimes you come in and it's, you know it's all peppy and it's all happy mm-hmm. and it's all and people are there and they're they don't feel happy yeah. they don't feel peppy yeah um i know at sacred city we we try to acknowledge the hurting and the broken mm-hmm. right away in mm-hmm. the in the gathering mm-hmm. um but what are some what are some ways that pastors um what are some things maybe pastors need to know about those in a season of grief and loss like this, like what are they feeling when they come into the gathering and what are some ways, maybe, you know, some ways that pastors could affirm them or give grace to them in the time that, you know, they, they need it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, well, I want you to say real quick, just say what you say at the beginning of church, because this makes me want to cry every single week. Just say exactly what you say.
0: Oh boy. It puts me on the spot. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Um, uh, I say something to the effect of, "Oh man," to to all who are hurting. Yeah, to all. Uh, let me pull it up, real okay? Because, because okay, of course, okay. uh, on the top of my head, when in in a, in a <laughs> uh, in a podcast live, I can't I'm I can't sorry. pull it up. That's all right.
1: So you say that and you acknowledge it, and that is something I've never experienced. Yeah, to I've all is what I say every
0: week. So every every time I uh we start, I say uh to all who are weary. To all who are weary and need rest. I don't know what happened to my picture right there. There it is. Sorry. To all who are weary and need rest. To all who mourn and long for comfort. To all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares. To all who fail and desire strength. To all who sin and need a Savior. And to all who long for the day, for everything in this yes. broken world to be made right. Yes. And anyone else who comes. This church opens wider doors and offers her welcome in the name of the risen Savior Jesus Christ,
1: okay. something to that effect.
0: Yes. I, I change it a little bit every week.
1: But. Okay, so when we make it on time to hear that,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I cannot help but be moved in my soul because all the like one of those things is going to apply, you know. And I long so deeply for for the restoration and for Jesus to return, and um, so I think that is huge. I think the American church is very centered around the family unit. And it makes people who are going through infertility, which is one in eight couples of childbearing ages, like 18 to 45 or whatever, um, it makes them feel very alone and misunderstood and sad. And I think oftentimes they don't want to be in a church that's only, you know, that's hyper-focused on that. So I think being in tune to that and any time, maybe not every time, but if the family unit is being addressed in a large way or celebrated, just finding a way to, in a small way to acknowledge that there are people waiting to have a child or um, wanting to be in that season or, or maybe just, I, I don't mean provide a ministry for people who don't have kids, you know, like a group, small group filled with people without kids, no, but inviting them in, not letting them stand on the outskirts and feel sad but bringing them in being like, you are just as valuable in our community as the parents who have beautiful little children filling our courtyard with laughter, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the main thing, just finding ways to acknowledge and just let them know that that we're praying for them and we're, you know, they're valuable.
0: And for the person who um, is experiencing loss, uh, maybe they're right in the middle of their desert right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you, what would you want to say to them?
1: Um, I always tell people, just put one foot in front of the other. You know, I, can you hand me my book? There's mm-hmm. a, a passage of scripture I would probably read to them. Um, say I know you're hurting. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to feel like you can't move forward right now, but I would encourage you to, to not be afraid of the future. Um, <laughs> there's a quote, there's all kinds of quotes in here. Cause I love quotes. Like, fall down, stand up again, fall down, stand up again, fall down, stand up again. You know, like, don't be afraid to get up and step forward because I just believe that God has a plan and and i picture i've heard an illustration where you you know you're standing close you're standing really close and it looks like a hot mess this little square that you can see and that's your life picture you know that's all you understand and it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense maybe parts of it do and then parts of it don't but when we get to heaven and we stand back and we see this glorious vast tapestry that god has been weaving together and it's all of our stories right made up making up his greater story, it will make perfect sense. Mm. And we will not question it. And we will feel joy. And our pain will be removed and every tear will be wiped away. And just that picture of restoration, it gives me chills because I'm like looking at the confusing picture right now and wondering, you know, what are you doing, God? And yeah, just trusting that He's he's got it.
0: It's good. Well, I think that's... That's some <laughs> good stuff, and I, I'm thank you, thank you for coming on the podcast. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Thanks and I uh, think it's good. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Uh, let me I'll have your book one yeah. one last time here. So this is uh, "Bearing Hope: Navigating the Desert of Waiting for a Child" by Liv Ryan. Uh, you can find this on Amazon. And uh, Liv, we thank you, thank you for your time. And guys, uh, if you haven't already. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, Give us a rating. It helps others find us. And we would appreciate it. You share this video on Facebook. Let other people know uh, how to find us uh, so we can get some more listeners and we can uh, spread the message. So, uh, next week, we will have Dr. Casey Shutt on our podcast. And he is going to be talking about all kinds of stuff education. Uh, He's a headmaster. And so, we're going to be talking about education, kids education cultural imagination all kind of interesting things next week so uh thank you for joining us Liv. Yeah. thank you and uh, we'll see you guys next week